True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And today we have another case coming out of Ellis County. It's the case of Alex Garcia, who also goes by A-Rod. He was murdered in Ennis, Texas, October 24th of 2020. And our guest is his niece, Sierra Garcia, who they were kind of raised as cousins. But she has a lot of information on the the, uh, case and wants to share it with us. Yes, Sierra and Alex were close enough in age that they didn't really feel like uncle and niece. They were raised more like cousins, and that happened in my family as well. That's kind of common. Okay, well, thank you for joining us here on True Crime Broads. We'll be right back with Sierra. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome back to True Crime Broads. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we are doing the Alex Garcia case and... And we have Sierra with us. Um, Sierra um, is Alex's niece. And uh, thank you for joining us, Sierra. Um, introduce yourself and tell us how, tell us about the what happened on October 24th in Ennis, Texas. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Sierra. I'm his niece. Um, so basically what happened was um, I just remember getting a phone call pretty much like really early in the morning and they just pretty much just told me that um four people had kicked down his door and I guess were initially trying to rob him um but they from my understanding they weren't whenever the gun went off on him you the neighbors could hear someone say like yelling like why did you shoot him why did you do that so it was just basically I guess a robbery gone wrong um, from what, just what we could gather at the time. And, um, and yeah, it just happened so early in the morning. I believe when it initially happened, it was, um, about one, 1 a.m. I had to go back and, and look on his, um, his death certificate. Cause I remember whenever we saw the, um, surveillance video, I remember looking at the time step and they're like, Oh, well, it, the time changed. So I remember on a timestamp, it was 12, but um, with the time change, it was actually 1 a.m. So it was about 1 a.m. whenever they, um, when everything happened. And it happened within a, four minutes. It was like four minutes. They were in and out. And within four, like, I think the Ennis Police Department showed up within like six minutes. So it was, it was very, very quick, very in and out. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was just very sad that day. I just remember um, just trying to figure out what happened. And who it was and just trying to get as much information as we could. So at that point in time, early on, did, mm-hmm. did most people think it was random? Um, I don't think so. I think it was, um, I think we kind of had an idea. Maybe it was because my uncle hasn't been known to just basically make friends with anyone. Mm-hmm. And that was always his problem. He would just make friends with anyone. He would just trust anybody and, and I, and at that, knowing who my uncle was, we kind of had an idea that it was just someone he either maybe became recently friends with or someone that 
he just, you know, just crossed paths with and he just, they just went to his apartment maybe once or twice. But I think from the beginning, we kind of figured it was someone he kind of knew, but wasn't very close to him. Okay, right. That makes sense. So, so they were thinking it was potentially someone who knew him, but Mm -hmm. they didn't intend to kill him. They were just there to rob. So a robbery gone wrong, like you said. Yeah, that's from what we, when we first um, talked to like everybody, like the police and everything, that's kind of what they kind of initially kind of said. And from what we heard, we're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Because from our understanding, they'd left with nothing like they when like as soon as they bust down the door um because my uncle's girlfriend was there at the time as well and I don't think they expected her to be there um she worked two jobs so she actually called in that night she um and so I think that kind of put um put a different perspective once they were in there because they had to deal with with her as well um because I know once initially they were in the house one person went immediately into their bedroom and started ransacking the area. Um, two of them basically went on to my uncle and started like tussling with him. And then one of them basically went towards the girlfriend. And I, she just said she just really remembered them all kind of fighting off and fighting back. And it's a very, very small apartment. It was a one bedroom. So like, if you're like in the living room, you could still kind of see if um, the bedroom in a way. Um, so basically she, she just remembers seeing them at one point going through her bedroom and she remembers telling them like, get out. What do y'all, what do y'all want? And then next, I think at that point, one of them tried to attack her. And I guess my uncle got away and he was able to attack them. And at that point, I think they basically put him in like a, a, a arm across his chest. And then um, that's when they've kind of held the gun against his back. And then I guess knowing my uncle, he was, he wasn't going to back down without a fight. So um, we're thinking he was still probably trying to fight back. And that's when the gun went off because the police even said that the gun was just so close up against him. It left like a burn mark on him. So oh, they're wow. like, that's why they also think. Yeah. So that's why they also think like this person wasn't this person. This was probably the first time shooting a gun or, you know, like it was like they just they panicked or in some in some something like that. And so I just, I know after that happened, um, that's when they, they yelled at the person and was like, why did you shoot him? Why did you do that? And then from that point, I remember they didn't release the second half of the surveillance video, but in the second half, you can see two of them um, immediately run out. Like it's, it's at a, a, an angle, the video is, and his apartment was on the top. So from the angle, you can actually see like a pop whenever the first shot goes off. And then after not even like two seconds, two of them immediately run out and they run across the courtyard. And they, because where they parked at, they parked on the opposite side of where his apartment was. So they ran across the courtyard and then maybe two, three minutes later, the other two people and the girl, they all kind of, they go back, but they kind of like run back the same, the same path that they took. So me being, living in Ennis all my life, I assumed okay, well, the two people who ran out first, they had to live in Ennis because, you know, if you know, if you run back to um, behind the apartments are homes Mm -hmm. and it's a neighborhood. So I'm like, they could have easily just took off running through the neighborhood and who would have known? And and the neighborhood actually comes back out on Enzyme Road. And we actually think that they took Enzyme Road because 
there's no video of the car and where the where the main road is at it's um it's called bardwell and um and right it's a gas station right across the street and there's a pawn shop well the pawn shop has surveillance and they from the description in the apartment complex they weren't able to find a car passing it at that time so we're like okay that if they go the other way it's the newly built police station and we highly doubt they went that way but if you go down Enzyme, which is just around a corner, um, you can hit the 287 bypass and get on 45 north, south, or you can even go down 287. So, and that's the way we think they took. Um, and there's also, if from that neighborhood behind the uh, apartment complex, a road leads up to 287. So, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, it leads out to Enzyme Road. So they could easily just pick someone up on the way. Um, but yeah after um and we do know that they took the girlfriend's phone um so whenever the two last people came out last one of them grabbed her phone because there was enough time to when alex was shot she was able to run to, to him and put, lay him on the ground and she remembers turning around and gonna go grab her phone from her bedroom and she does grab it but when she turns back around to go back to him there's a guy standing there in her doorway and he tells her, um, you don't do that. And he grabs her phone and takes off running. And um, we didn't find this out till later, but apparently whenever she went to go lay him down and to the time when she went to grab her phone, they actually shot at her as well. They found two bullets in the wall towards where the bedroom was at. And we don't know if that was for her or just to like distract her. We don't, we don't really know. So it it there was a lot going on within those four minutes that and they're in the apartment. Wow! So it sounds like they were surprised by the girlfriend being there. Yes, um, and and like I said, she we we think it was someone that was that kind of knew this his schedule because, um, like I said, she worked two jobs. She worked. She was a. I think she, I want to say she was a waitress, and she just worked at a, a, another job, and because um, they were trying to move out of the apartment. And so, um, but yeah, like we didn't, we found out like she, when she told us, she's like, I wasn't supposed to be there that night. I actually called into work. So we're like, what? Like, it was just, it was just kind of a shocker to honest, honestly. So was she sick? Were they, were she or Alex sick? Um, she, uh, so whenever he was, whenever he had COVID, he was, I believe he was um, towards the end of his COVID. So he was actually trying to go get into testing to try to see if he can go back to work um, with her. I don't. She never got it. She, I don't know how that worked, but I, I remember whenever he had got sick, I had talked to him the week before and um, before he died. And he had told me that he was really sick at first, but then he was starting to feel better and he was trying to get into the hospital. I mean, I'm sorry, to make an appointment to get his COVID negative results so he'd go back to work. And I remember him telling me that his girlfriend had tested negative and so she has been going to work. And I remember I was thinking, oh yeah, that happened at my house too. My boyfriend got sick, but I didn't. So, but yeah, she, um, she just happened to be there that day. Wow. What did the neighbors report hearing? I'm assuming the police officers probably spoke to the, you know, cause apartments are so close together. A lot of times you're sharing, yeah. sharing a wall with maybe different families. Did anyone report anything? Um, no, honestly, I think one of them said they thought they heard them say, where's the money? But we're, we're, we're like, that doesn't make sense. They're like, we don't, it didn't make sense to us, but we just they they just said that 
And then they also said they for sure heard like this person, this person screaming, why did, why did you shoot him? Why did you shoot him? And then um, they did say that they heard three, three shots from the gun. And that's, I think that's when the police went back and looked at the wall and did saw they, the other two. Did they think the, why did you shoot him came from one of the perpetrators or from somebody else? They think it came from one of the perpetrators because it sounded like a guy. Okay. They said it was, uh, yeah. So they, um, they definitely think because whenever, so um, there was actually one of the witnesses. He lived on the opposite side of the apartment. So basically, where they parked the vehicle, um, him and his girlfriend at, worked a night shift, and they had just got off of work, and they were um, basically going to make them dinner before they went to bed. And so whenever they got home. He says he rem- he remember he was smoking on his balcony and he remembers a he, he just remembers a car a car pulling in and pulling into the um the back of the parking lot and he parked facing the homes the neighborhood and so he didn't think too much about it and then he just he remember he heard car doors open and close and that was pretty much it and then he went back inside and so he basically starts cooking something and then he hears like a loud bang. And then he like goes to see his girlfriend because he thought she dropped something, but she's running to him because she's thinking the same thing because she heard it. And then next thing you know, he hears um, someone screaming. He shot him. He shot him, which the girl, his girlfriend does chase the last guy that took her phone. She does chase him out of the apartment complex and is screaming in the apartment complex. He shot my boyfriend. Someone called the police. So I, I guess he heard that. So he goes back into his balcony because he hears the car turn on and he basically hears them take off. But then he hears someone trying to um, mess with the door handle, like, let me in, let me in, which was the last guy that took the phone. And then he they he hears someone say, let him in. And they he hears him just open the door and then they close it and they take off. Wow. That would have been time, crazy if they left one of the guys behind. I know. And that we're thinking it's the guy that took the girlfriend's phone because in the video he was like I I think it was like two minutes he had stayed an extra two minutes from when the first two guys had left the apartment so but during that whenever we talked to the girlfriend that's when she's like yes we don't know what he was doing we don't know if he was like checking Alex to see if he had anything on him because there was like remember I said there was that time where she left him to grab her phone and then turn back around but I guess she didn't see him. I don't, I'm not too sure. I, I do know like in a situation like that, I'm sure she had tunnel vision. So mm-hmm. she says, she's like, I just remember my phone was on the corner of my bed and I could see it. And I was just, I just wanted to grab it and call. So, but when she did that, she never saw him. So within those two minutes on the video that he's absent, he's in there, I guess, making sure she's not calling. I'm Cause I, like I said, as soon as she turns around, he just, he grabs her phone and takes off, takes off running and, He's the last person to get in. And we're like, what? We're like, wow. And so we're like, okay, well, what kind of car is it? Well, the new apartments just built some awnings for their cars and the awning was in the way. So since he was on on the um, top apartment, he couldn't see the car once it parked because had it parked in a different parking spot, he could see it. But the, it was just a bad position where it was. He, but he just said it was a dark colored car, and we're like, okay, that's that's. But from there, from him saying that, that's how we were confirmed that they didn't go like, kind of like where cameras were, because like I said, there's a pawn shop right next to it, and the pawn shop didn't catch it. 
So we're like, okay, well, they didn't go that way. So which way did they go? So you know that you know that neighborhood that neighborhood you mentioned that's behind the apartments. Did anyone mm-hmm. have a ring doorbell? Did anyone say? Because, uh, you know, ring doorbells were pretty popular then. Um, did anyone say, hey, we saw some suspicious car or activity that night? Honestly, I don't know. I remember we did ask the police, and all we know is that they, they went around the neighborhood and checked. I, okay. I, the only thing is I can say is nothing really came from it. I don't know. It's I will say this. A lot of people didn't know the shooting happened in the apartment complex because – I remember um, maybe like, because, you know, right after Alex died, we had to deal with burying him, cremating, all that. Right. So that took about like a month, month and a half. So our, I would say our time was consistent with trying to do that. And so, and I also had like, my, I was four months postpartum whenever this happened. So I also had a newborn I had to take care of. So it, it was just a lot going on at the time. But I will say it was like, a month in a couple of days until I noticed like the people were asking me questions about what happened to Alex. And I'm like, you know what? I really don't know. It's been a while. And then I kind of went on Facebook and I noticed, I'm like, well, I never saw nothing posted from the NS police department. I'm like, this is someone did get murdered. Like the high school, the, the apartment he lived at is literally across from our high school. And it's like down the street from the, the, the police department. I'm like, so I, and also there's a elementary school, like maybe like a block away. So I'm like, I would assume that they would let the public know or let, you know, so from that point, I kind of, I did make a status and was just like, I don't know if no one knows, but like this happened in um, townhouse apartments. Well, I made that status on November 25th. And um, that's when I found out people who actually lived in the apartment complex didn't even know what happened. They just know police activity was there that night and they heard something, but they don't, they don't know who died. They don't, they don't know the deep, they don't know anything. The apartment didn't even tell them anything. So it was just kind of like, it made me think like, okay, well, what if someone has something this whole time? And it's already a month has passed. Like, I'm not going to lie to y'all. It kind of put like, um, I'll say like a negative thought, like, man, what if, they didn't follow up on any the neighborhoods like what if they actually had something so it it, it did make me start questioning everything Mm -hmm. so that's why I kind of went more harder to like okay well I need everybody I need them to post something now that I know people who live here doesn't don't even know what happened so about two days later they did make a public statement about it um so after that um we still had the uh I think that's when I started getting in contact with the main detective on the case because I think my uncle, which is my dad's oldest brother, because uh, this is my dad's brother, his baby brother. Um, so his oldest brother was kind of like in contact with during that whole month we were trying to bury him. And I really didn't know nothing. And I would ask him, but he's like, I don't know nothing either. So eventually, I don't remember exactly how we got in contact with Detective York, but we did. And he was very helpful. We went in and he basically showed everything to us and um, told us what happened. And um, and then that's when he told us we do have security footage, but it's it's kind of grainy. It's not the best, but they do have it. But they, I remember we wanted to release it, but they didn't let us. And then that's pretty much when we got the news station involved. We were actually on like four different news um, stations. And the first one, um, it was a Spanish station. And I... 
I don't, I'm not fluent in Spanish. So I had my cousin Jocelyn um, explain to them, like, there's a video, like, tell them that there's a security footage of them. I'm like, we need, we need to release it so they can see. I'm like, that will help. And I'm like, they, I'm like, they, they, someone has to know who these people are. It's a small community. It's a small town. So they are the ones that actually um, reached out to the police and they were actually able to get the, the security footage that we have now. And um, we're, that's how we were able to go off of that. And yeah, so from there, that's just, it's been, it's been a long journey, but we're, we're, we're getting there slowly but surely. Wow. So where, um, you know what I thought of when you were talking about stuff about people in the apartment complex not knowing what had happened yet? Um, they just mm-hmm. knew there was police activity. I know that I'm on, mm-hmm. an, I'm on a next door uh, app, on the next door app. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, people will get on there, especially apartment complexes, because there tends to be more questions about what's going on because people are living more closely together. And um, I wonder if there was next door activity of people saying, hey, I see cops down there. You know, you'll see the first post will be like, hey, why is there so many cops, you know, at this address? And then somebody will be like, I don't know. I didn't see anything from my unit. And then somebody will say, I'm right above it. I'll go check it out and let you know if I hear anything. You know, I wonder if, yeah. there, I wonder if there was potentially some information on next door there's that they tend to get really active that, you know that is a good question and honestly i'm gonna have to look into that after we speak today because i didn't even think about that at the time and i do have it for my neighborhood because i actually live on Enzyme road i live down the street so i like where the apartment complex is it's like a, down the street and around the corner from my house so I, I do have the the app and I do have it for the Enzyme area. Oh, so nice. I actually am going to go, I am going to go back and look through my emails because I do get email notifications about it. So I'm going to have to yeah. go look, look through that. Hope, hopefully you're in the same, sometimes the next door zones are kind of strange, but hopefully you being that mm-hmm. close, you might be in the same next door area. That would be fantastic if you could see what people were saying back then. And you know what else you can do? You can also do a search just like you do on Facebook. So you can Mm -hmm. type in things like townhouse apartments, um, shooting. You can do different searches to see if anybody made a post or said anything. And then sometimes you can find that actual specific area. Like you can type in townhouse apartments and maybe Mm -hmm. there's an actual specified group for that. And then you can go through there and look at the comments or whatever. So see if, you know, anybody made a post or any videos or anything. Because I mean, anytime in, I'm in two next door neighborhoods. And I mean, the minute someone hears a gunshot or sees the cops, bam, everyone's on there talking, you know, so that might, that's, that's good. I'm happy you're going to look into that because that just seems lately to be where everyone's at. And hopefully back then they were too. Um, Does does law enforcement give you updates? Does anyone have any idea who could have done this and why? Um, I mean, just besides the normal small town talk, I mean, I guess no, because well, with law enforcement, they basically, at first, we were very, very active, and I was able to go in and see them regularly because I was, I was still on maternity leave. So I didn't go back to her till maybe February of 2021. Um, and after that, it kind of went, um, it went slow, basically. We really didn't hear from them at all. And I mean, besides, there was one tip, but I mean, they worked it out, but I, I really don't know how that, that went. But it's just whenever I would ask questions, I would sometimes get a reply and sometimes not. And I basically, I remember just the last thing he really, our detective really told us was just to grieve and just to let, like basically just, I guess, let them handle it. So after that, we kind of were just like, 
okay so that's kind of what we've done and I mean I think the the latest thing I've done was back in his birthday is in August so around his birthday time I did ask him if they could do an updated post about it because I mean I told him like how are people supposed to know it's still an open investigation May, I mean people are always talking and maybe they they won't come forward because they think it's solved I don't know I'm like so basically could you do that and he said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. He's going to tell the chief and all that stuff. But nothing ever really came about it. Um, I, I just know within the past two weeks, um, I did reach out to him because I was doing the podcast and I wanted to be basically up to date with him. And so he did tell me that within the past two weeks, they really looked, they're really looking at it at a different way and that they're going to test something they, that they found that wasn't qualified before. So I guess um, they're trying to do something now. Um, but within the past two weeks as well, my uncle, he had a really great friend named Heather. And Heather, she's, uh, I love Heather. She, I, she's really been on it. Like, it's really hard to sometimes to deal with this, but she's been on it. And she's like, no, something needs to be done. So within the past two weeks, She's actually emailed the city of Ennis, the mayor, the chief, and basically a long story about Alex. And like, basically what we all think, what is happening? What is going on? Why is there no update? Um, what what can we do to help? Just, just the basic questions and like, not only his family is still wanting the case, but other people in Ennis do. Like, I will have to say my uncle did have a couple run-ins with the police. He like, he was a wild teenager that's all I can say <laughs> but we kind of when he first initially passed away we had a, like an idea like well is this why like like do they see his record and th this is why they kind of they aren't really looking for lead updates or really out there talking and interviewing the people um and that's kind of what Heather mentioned as well and I just I'm thankful for her because with her sending those emails Within the past two weeks, that's when they decided to to do all they're doing now. So I really think she did help a lot by doing that. And it just kind of sucks because if we didn't have Heather, what we would do? I mean, my uncle's dad, my grandpa, he's 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 older. He's retired. Like he can't he can't keep up with that. And it's just and like with our family, like everybody has their own issues. So it's kind of hard to handle your own issues and then deal with Alex grieving and then trying to figure out the case. So I will say Heather has been awesome. She has been great. <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. Um, that she's doing that now. How old was Alex at the time of his He death? was 30. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so was the, was the girlfriend able to, um, give like a description of the people that were there and maybe they could do a sketch or something? Um, for my, for, okay, so whenever they initially were, um, I guess, roughhousing with her, one of the men, she was able to pull his mask down, and she was able to give a description. She, she basically said that he had, he was very sweaty, he had yellow eyes and a long upkept beard, and whenever she pulled his, um, his mask down because I think it, it was around COVID time, so it was just a simple little. It wasn't no ski mask or it was just a simple COVID mask. When she pulled it down, he says, "You shouldn't have done that," and he pulled it back up. And she said she she knows who it is because she um, afterwards, I guess, whenever his friends found out, 
that she saw who who one of the person that was involved they started sending her pictures like could it be this person this person this person and eventually she went through all these photos and eventually was like it's this person i will never forget that face um that it it i am certain it is this person she she said she saw him a couple times at the apartment but um and that was pretty much it she didn't know anything else about him his name nothing and then um, she went to the police with it. They, they, the police talked to her, and um, they pretty much, from what I understand, is she just couldn't ID him in, a, in the photo lineup, and that's kind of a dead end. Like that's pretty much all they did with that. Did the police and, follow? Did the police follow up with the person that gave her those pictures? Because if she thought that was the guy that she had pulled his mask down during, you know, the home invasion, did. Did the police ever talk to the person that produced those pictures to see if they could find out what his name is? No, like if I, if I'm being honest, like um, they've talked to a couple people, but that's because my family enough has pressured these people to go talk to York and to clear their name. So basically, like, okay, if you're not involved, then please go talk to him so he doesn't have to worry about you and he can move on to someone that is involved. And he, he's maybe talked to four people. And because I just know he's the week leading up, my uncle did have a couple of friends over and we've spoken to them. And one of these people have said like this, per this person was there at his house leading like that same week. And I've kept in contact with him even now. And he, no one's ever reached out to him. No one, like no one's basically my understanding is, no one's had built up a timeline to figure out what he was doing, who he was talking to, who was at his house the week of and the days leading up to he died. And because they haven't, they did, I feel like we'd all have a clear picture of what's going on. And I feel like with my family, we've told everything we've known. My aunt has been very good with all of this. Like she's emailed them multiple times and has told them like, has given them names and phone numbers of my uncle's friends that are like, yeah, I was there. I'll tell them like what what was going on the weeks, the days leading up and who was there and this and that, but nothing's ever came of it. And I, I don't know why. I do know when we first initially talked to our detective, he was just like, um, they couldn't really do too much because of the, the district attorney. Um, because uh, he just mainly brought up, I don't know if you remember, but there was a, Ch a Chipotle robbery in Ennis, and they basically kind of messed up that case very, 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 very badly, and to where the people who robbed it ended up walking free, mm -hmm. and from my understanding, he said, the district attorney doesn't want to try anything that they cannot win, so unless we were 100% certain, we can't, basically, they won't look into anything. And that's kind of where we're at. And it's just, it sucks. I mean, it's just, and like, and around the same time my uncle passed away, there was a, a, a double murder in Ennis. And the reason they were able to solve that is because someone did go in and was like, basically what they wanted. Like, hey, I know what happened. They told me blah, 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 blah. And that's kind of basically what they told us what would need to happen with Alex. And we're just like, let's, can we be realistic and just and just talk to people, you know, and just just get an idea of like who was there and who was who, you know what I mean? It's just mm -hmm. like because we've got a lot of information. Basically, we know who was at my uncle's house the week of the days leading up because we we talked to them. We talked to all his friends. 
we and like it was mainly me, my Aunt Eliza, my Uncle David, which are my which is Alex's siblings as well, and um and my cousin Jocelyn, and because um we were the only ones really keeping up with Alex's case, talking around, talking to people. Uh, my uncle's friends were talking around, talking to people. They would come and tell us like anything they thought was important. So we basically kind of was like. That's how we were able to kind of figure out who was all at his house. And and like I said, small town talk, people would say, oh, I heard this, I heard that. Well, I will admit there's a couple of names that keep repeatedly coming up and they were at his house the days leading up. So, I mean, it's just, it's just coincidence, but I mean, it's worth looking into in my opinion, but nothing's ever came of it. But nothing was taken? No, I think they took some, from my understanding, I don't know if I, they want me to say this or not because, um, but they did take something and that's what's getting tested. They, that's what they got approved for within the past two weeks. Mm, they okay. took something when, and the last person that was running out of the apartment complex, I guess when he was trying to get in the car, he dropped it. And then they found it basically on the entrance of, um, at, from the apartment complex and they confirmed it was from Alex's apartment Excellent. and they've had, they've had it this whole time, but said within the past two weeks they apparently now it's qualified to be tested and we're just like okay that's kind of random wonder what took so long exactly and it's kind of like with head like i said i think it's heather because within the past two weeks heather's been emailing people like crazy and it's just it's just what a coincidence so i guess you i all i can say is i guess she knew the right person (laughs) because now it's now it's getting worked on and now it's um I just hope something comes of it. That's all I kind of hope for now. Yeah, there's different kinds of district attorneys, you know, back to what you were saying, you know, that's unfortunately that's an elected position and it's very political mm-hmm. and, and they want to look good so they can get reelected. Yeah. And so that's why they take the safe road sometimes, but sometimes you'll get these ballsy um prosecutors and DA's office that will go after things and it looks like um in this case, um, maybe Ellis County has taken the safe route on a lot of things. So mm-hmm. I hate to, I hate to hear that. Being an elected uh, position, um, a lot of times they're just wanting the easy cases so they can look good and win them. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I kind of like, I, I work in a law firm, so I kind of get the aspect of, you know, the, the other aspect of it. But it's just like, fighting. That's just basically what it is. Like, mm-hmm. We just got to keep fighting. We can't leave, let people forget, like, no, this is going on. And I would hate for it to happen to your family because Absolutely. then we'll have two families that, you know, it's just I want to prevent it from happening to another family because it's it's not the greatest. And like and like with what we're going through with legal wise and police, it's not the greatest either. So and it's just, all I guess, a learning experience for everybody. But I can only hope it gets better. Right. Well, yeah. I, I want to tell you what we can do for you. Um, one of the things that I'm going to do is uh, give this information over to Crime Stoppers of Ellis County. And mm-hmm. they are in the process now. It's not something that's going to happen in the next, you know, it's, it's going to be a long process. But we're they're putting mm-hmm. together um, cases to put on um, playing cards. And every, okay. you know, 52 cards in a deck, every card is going to have a different case. So I can, um, and it may have already been done. They may have already had this information, but I'm going to make sure that they have this case to add to those playing cards. Um, mm-hmm. And that way those get distributed in the jails. Um, that way the okay. P- 
pe- the prisoners and, and inmates there, they know, they see the cases, and if they know something about a particular case, they'll see it, and they can call in a tip, and it can be anonymous, um, and their rewards are always going to be separate for anything that's um, independent, but they do offer a reward in cases, uh, but anyway, I can, we can do that for you, and then also, um, of course, we will, like, you know, we always do a post for our episodes, but we, you know, and I've already made a, a flyer, you know, that you have already seen um, and approved, mm-hmm. but we will continue to share that and then add it to the Crime Stoppers. Um, I'll forward that over to Crime Stoppers for them to share uh, on their website. And then, of course, we'll share it as well. So we can at least do that little bit to help out keeping, you know, the case being looked at and seen. And we'll try yeah. to we'll try to redo that every so often. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely keep it on our social media, absolutely. And let us know, too, anytime after we're done recording here today, if you think of anything else, please message us, like if you have somebody we, you want us to tag or if you want us to post it in a particular place. But we'll be putting okay. it we'll be putting it on our Twitter Instagram, Facebook. We also have a Facebook group that has, gosh, what, like 3,000 members now. And then mm-hmm. we've got a, uh, mm-hmm. we have a Facebook page that a lot of people follow. So just let us know if there's anything we can help you do to raise awareness and we will do it. And we are so sorry that your family hasn't gotten any relief or any kind of answers after all these years. What, what was the date of the? 2020, right? Yeah. What, what month? Uh, yeah. It was uh, it was my 26th birthday, which is actually October 24th, 2020. Wow. So, yeah, we're going on three years this year. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm so sorry. Okay, so my next question for you, is there a reward in this case? Yes. So there's actually a $5,000. It's a total of $10,000, but it's $5,000 from my family. And it's another $5,000 from a lady named Tammy DuPaul. Um, her daughter is, is Chelsea and Cheyenne Benton, and they were basically best friends of Alex. Um, Tammy calls my uncle, her adopted son. Um, I believe she, um, owns like a rescue, a dog rescue. And I, I want to say sometimes he will go, he will help her. Like she has land and I think he would go help her out there. So they loved him very much and they were very generous to donate $5,000 to contribute to his reward money which is equal to ten thousand dollars um but yeah we were very thankful for tammy and we loved her and we loved that she loved alex like we did that's awesome okay so that's great to hear that there's a ten thousand dollar reward um in the case and uh is there anything else that you need to tell us about this so we can make sure everybody knows of course we want everybody to call in tips if you know of anything mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think I do have a little cheat sheet right here that I was working off of, mm-hmm. um, but um, there's nothing that I can really think of that basically like, oh, they need to know this. Um, I will say that he was shot with a 40 caliber gun. I don't know. I, I do know some people ask me a lot of times, um, but that's what he was shot with. And where was he um, shot? He was shot in the back. So he was actually shot. And I believe it was the, um, he, he shoots him in the back. It the bullet was shot upwards. So the position of the bullet, it initially cut his aorta and he, that's how he basically passed away. Oh, Horrible. So, um, so that's just such yeah, a cow- it, it, cowardly move to shoot someone in the back, to shoot someone at all. But right. yeah. And that's, and that's what we kind of think that they were very like, because of how everything was and that they were just they're basically an experience with the gun because they had their finger on the trigger the whole time and then 
if they never had no attention like it's just it's those little things that you think of like okay well they didn't mean to hurt him but they did anyway so now this is where we're at did alex have any enemies or did he owe money to anyone at that time um from my understanding no like honestly it's kind of sad to say but he was doing very great in his life like besides like going i think he was going through personal issues because he does have a son and a daughter um i think he was going through personal issues with his son's mother with regarding his son so Mm -hmm. besides that he was doing good for himself he had a place with his girlfriend he had he had a job he was you know he was really doing great for himself and that's kind of where we think the envious comes from because if you know my uncle he he had a he was like anybody he was wild he didn't care about things he was irresponsible but eventually you grow up and you learn what's important in life and you you fix you straighten up and I think maybe some friends from his past or maybe he met while during going through a crazy time in his life kind of came back to see if he was the same person or not that's kind of what kind of what we're thinking because if you really knew him on a day-to-day basis, you would know how much he's changed and how much better he was doing. And you can only be nothing but happy for him. Right. right. Bless his heart. Wow. I'm so sorry about this and everything that you and your family have been through. And we really appreciate you coming on True Crime Broads today to tell us about this and we can let the public know what's going on. And we'll really hope and pray that Ellis County and NSPD can come up with something soon. Yeah, definitely. That's what, that's what I kind of tell myself all the time I'm like I try to be patient because I know it's when you're dealing with the police you have you have nothing but patience and he did tell us like if we're trying to get cell phone tower records or anything it's all coming from the state so that takes time too so that's why I'm like I have to keep that in mind too but you know I it's just as a normal person you 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 want answers you know so right but yeah I just I I just hope they continue to do something um, I want to give out the information again for anybody listening. Um, okay, so this happened at the 1001 block of Biloxi, the townhouse apartments in Ennis, Texas. It happened on October 24th of 2020 at 1 a.m. If anybody has any information or knows anything, please contact Jason York at the Ennis Police Department, and that his email is jyork at ennistexas.gov. His phone number is 972 875 one, two, three, four. That's awesome. Thank you, Renee. And and thank you, Sierra. We really appreciate you coming on True Crime Broads. And please don't hesitate to contact us if anything changes or if you would like to be on again. Um, just, just give us a shout, okay? Okay. Thank you so much for having me on here. Thank, thank you, you so much. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Page 2 Inspection Services, LLC. Specializing in foundation inspection reporting, commercial, residential, and home or mixed-use properties. They handle prompt reporting and services at the most competitive price in the structural engineering field. PAL Engineering Services also specializes in structure, structural reporting, and mechanical engineering in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Houston, and throughout the state of Texas. They do structural inspection, track full home inspection and evaluation, foundation inspection and repair plan, modular home inspection, pest inspection, mechanical and electrical inspections, drainage plans, and retaining walls. Be sure and check them out at uh, www.page2inspections.com or www.palengineeringinc.com. The phone number to reach them at is 972-268-4140.
Thank you for supporting True Crime Broads.